with us, please remember to fill out that uh, registration card that's on the back of the pew in front of you. Uh, the proper time this morning, Chris Langley will be leading us in song and Brother Ronnie Johnson will be leading us in our opening prayers. Toy Fall will be reading the scripture and Brother Ken Forrest will bring the lesson of the hour. Before we get started, if you will, let's join me in a word of prayer, please. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity we have to come and to worship you in song and praise. Father, we ask that you be with each one of us as we go throughout our everyday lives, that we may be an example that will be pleasing unto thee. Father, we ask that you be with Brother Ken this morning to give him a ready recollection of the knowledge that he wishes to spread your word this morning and help us to be attentive and, and put it into our everyday lives. Most of all, Father, we Thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross, that we might have forgiveness of our sins, have an opportunity of home in heaven with thee one day. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, um, first song this morning, the Saints Lift Your Voices, it's a new song. We've sung it, uh, I think, one time here before. Um, we'll be uh, singing a couple of songs that we'll be led in prayer. Everybody sing out. <clears throat> there is none like him, none can compare. No God is equal, no prince is heir. Lift up your eyes and see his great mind. Soar like an eagle on wings of flight. 
will be the Lord is in his holy temple. join with me in prayer. Father most high, Father in heaven, we come to thee today so very thankful for all the things that you do for us. As we enjoy this beautiful weather after such a hot summertime, and we're looking forward to the coolness of the wintertime, we remember your great handiwork, how you make everything work, and how how you don't have to be a smart man to understand that things could not exist like they do unless you made it happen. Father, thank you for all the wonderful things that you have allowed us to live in this earth and enjoy. 
Father, we'd like to ask your blessings on this congregation, especially today. We'd like to ask your blessings on the sick that are on our sick list. You know each of their names and you know each of their problems and and you know where they would like to be. And Father, we pray that if it could be thy will that you would just return them to that place of health that, that they need to be and that they want to be. Father, as we go into this time of study, help us to open our minds and open our hearts and listen to the word and to apply it to our lives that, that the word that you have given us might help us to be better Christians, that we might live better lives, that people might see Christ through our lives, and that they might have the hope of eternal life like we do. Father, help us to understand how to live. Help us to understand that our lives mean so much not only to us, but those around us, that we can, through living as you would have us to do, that we can influence lots of folks. And we know that that needs to be done at your will. Father, but most of all, we thank you for your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, that you were willing to send him to this earth, and he was willing to come and live as one of us, but yet live that sinless life, through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, that if we'll only do what he says, that we can be with you and him in heaven for an eternity. We ask all of this in his name. Amen. If you're using your song books, uh, please mark number 554 for the Song of Invitation. And before... Uh, the scripture reading and the lesson we'll sing uh, two songs back to back God will make a way number 116 and the steadfast love of the Lord number 123 God will make a way where there seems to be no way he works in ways we cannot see
scripture reading today is from Psalms, the 11th chapter, verses 4 through 7. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the king righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. Upon the wicked, he remains, he will rain coals, fire and brimstone and burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous, he loves righteousness, his countenance beholds the upright. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Yay. Good to see you. I hope you had an extraordinary week and we look to even greater things if God will bless us with another one. I have several people that have requested your attention this morning. Brenda Taylor's great niece, Deanna Fugent, died over the weekend. She lived in Carrollton, Texas, but she grew up here in Boonville. Many of you probably know her. She was 53 years old. Billy Deaton went to the ER in Tupelo yesterday, and he was admitted to North Mississippi Medical Center. He's experiencing some heart problems and has a low blood count. And then on Friday, the thing we've been anticipating for a long time with the Brumleys, well, it happened. She gave birth to her little baby boy. His name is Austin Benjamin. He came here about 3.56 p.m. Are you ready? He was 8 pounds, 13 ounces. Woo, a good start, yes? So we're very excited for them and their, their growing family. And we pray that all will go well with them. We're going to pray for these folks. And then we're going to pray for us as we are opening God's word today. That God will really embolden us. Be able to face the trials and difficult circumstances of our lives. Not alone but leaning heavily on the Lord, knowing that he is there for us. Before we begin all that, let's, let's pray that God will bless us in it. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege to assemble here today to worship you in spirit and in truth. I pray, Father, that as we're participating in these things, that our hearts, our souls, our mind, all of our strength, is into this and that you have been glorified. I pray, Lord, that you will be with us in this period of time as we are intent upon meditating on your word together as one mind and one spirit. I pray, Lord, that we will receive the things that you have in store for us. Help us to Come away from here today more confident than ever of your oversight in our lives and of your available strength if we will only turn to you. I also pray, Lord, that if there are folks who are struggling here today, 
that they will let us know that so that we can help bear some of that burden. Or if we have faltered in our faith, I pray that today will be a day of renewal. Please help me to communicate that and be with those who hear your word, that they will hang on every part of it. We pray for these, Father, that we've mentioned who are bereaved or sick or rejoicing. We pray for Brenda Taylor's family, especially for the Fugit family in Deanna's death. We pray comfort for all of them. We pray your blessings on Brother Billy as he is in the hospital. We pray, Lord, that he will receive treatment that will restore his health, and we'll look forward to seeing back here. And we also pray for the Brumleys. Father, what an exciting time in their family. Already blessed with Ella and Rory and James, and now Benjamin, Austin Benjamin, will take his place in that family. We thank you for Kevin and Lauren and the great love that they have for each other and for these children. And we pray, Lord, that everybody involved recovers quickly and settles into their new state. Lord, thank you for these blessings and so many more. Thank you for hearing us and what you will do in us and with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. There are times in your life when you should flee. I mean, whatever it is that you are facing, you should run as fast and as far away from the thing that you're facing as you possibly can. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, Paul says to flee sexual immorality. Sexual immorality has such a, a latch on the human being that Paul says it is not one of those things that we stand in debate. When it presents itself or its opportunity for sin is there, Instead of trying to somehow justify it or work around it, he said, you should run away, flee. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, a similar warning. He said there to flee youthful lusts. Sounds similar, doesn't it? When we are young, we are susceptible to all kinds of temptation. He said again, it is not time to debate it, not time to try and find a way to justify our actions. The best thing you can do is flee, run away as far and as fast as you can. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 14, there Paul says to flee idolatry. Of course, Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 says that covetousness well, that's the same as idolatry, especially in our time. So when it comes to the desire for things, Paul says, again, it is not time to debate. It's not time to weigh the issue. What you should do is run away from it, flee it. It has such an attraction. It is so dangerous that the time that you spend thinking about it, 
you become more and more imperiled. What you should do is just run away. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, right there in the midst of the discussion of money and the love of money being a root of all kinds of evil, he just simply says to flee these things. That and anything related to it reminds us of covetousness. The attraction for things is so powerful and it stands in opposition to so many good things. He says, what you should do is to run away from it, flee. But you know, there are also times when instead of running away, we are encouraged by God to take a stand, to refuse to give in to the natural and legitimate fear that's precipitated by a crisis, to trust in God, knowing that he's going to help us with the fight, knowing that we can be victorious with God on our side. Now, this psalm, Psalm number 11, some scholars refer to it as the song of the steadfast. And it is a depiction of a time in David's life where he was being pursued by someone who meant harm for him and ultimately for Israel. It could have been the time when Saul was chasing after David. He would have given anything to see David put aside. It could have been during the time of Absalom, David's own son who sought to take his father's life and the throne. But whether it was one or the other or some other circumstance, David said, this time I am not running away. This time I am ready to take a stand. No matter what, I'm not moving. I am going to trust in God. You, I'm sure, and I, of course, love reading the stories about these triumphant men of faith in the history of the scriptures. We think when we read those stories about how great it would be if I could have that kind of faith. Well, I'm here to tell you today that that kind of faith, the kind of faith that David is describing here in this text, absolutely can be yours. But before we can achieve a faith like that, we have to ask ourselves this question. Where, where is God? Do I really trust God? If I catch you in the midst of what we would typically call blessings... And I ask you, do you trust in God? You would say, of course I do. Look what God has done for me. But if I catch you when things aren't going so well, maybe as we read this morning, you've lost a loved one. Someone's very close to you. Maybe it's illness. Maybe it's a major change in your life that you were not prepared for. Do you feel so confident then? Do you trust that God is still on his throne? 
Do you trust that God is still watching over what you're dealing with? It reminds me of something that James said. And remember, we, we often, often think of James as being the practical writer. James talks about real circumstances of life where the rubber meets the road. And when he begins his short letter, he says in James chapter 1, verse 2, to count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Do you count it all joy? Do you really trust in God? Well, I want to begin with the question that I posed. Exactly where is your God? David says the beginning of this psalm, the first three verses, in the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, and here's what they say, flee as a bird to your mountain, for look, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on the string that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? So David asserts his trust in the Lord. But David, David is a king. And David had surrounded himself with perhaps the most spiritually minded advisors that any king could possibly have. You know, typically in the Gentile world, he would have advisors who would give him instruction about economics or how to rule a people. But here, David, the king of Israel, is surrounded by spiritual giants of his time. Help me to lead these people in a spirit that directs them to God. It is that group of people, the ones who are supposed to be spiritual giants, who say, David, it is time to run. You know, it, it is bad out there. It looks like your enemies have that arrow. It is knocked on the string. They have pulled it back and they are ready to shoot you dead. And don't you know that when they cause your death, that it is going to undermine the very foundation of this nation. David, you've got to run to the mountains. David asserts, it's in the Lord I put my trust. So how could you say that to me? You know, with God, it's not the big things that he uses to make a splash or to let us know that he's there and trustworthy. It's always the little things in 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah, who had at one point fashioned himself as the only one still faithful to God, a prophet of God, now finds himself a recluse. And he's standing on a mountain. What do I do now? All of a sudden, there is a terrible wind that is so powerful, it's able to split rocks. And then following that is a terrible earthquake. And then there is an engulfing fire. The scripture makes the point that God was not in any one 
of those things. Typically, the prophet of God or or anyone who had called on the name of God was expecting some kind of visible evidence of God's presence. But that is not how God was going to act. Sure, could God break rocks with wind? Look what God can do with the wind. Could God bring an earthquake to get our attention? Look what he's able to do with the earthquake. How about the engulfing fire? Could he consume all things? Yeah, he could. But when God comes to Elijah, he comes to Elijah in a still, small voice. And he says to Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing? God's always impressed us with effectively the still, small voice. In Matthew chapter 11 and verse 25, this is Jesus speaking. The one who has been sent by God Almighty as a lamb to die for the sins of the whole world of all time. It is practically unimaginable to try to get the length and the breadth and the height of all that is included in the second person of the Godhead, separating himself from the Father and coming here in human flesh. But that aside, Jesus is here. And you would think that with Jesus here, that is the biggest moment of history, and we tend to to describe it that way. However, when Jesus was here, hardly anybody took notice. Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 25, I thank you, Father. Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Don't miss that. God was not making a big splash with Jesus. He did not put him on the world stage as one of the greatest leaders of all time. He didn't come in charging on a white horse. He wasn't the king of the greatest nation on earth. He wasn't equipped with impenetrable armor. Jesus came humbly and quietly. The wise of Jesus' time rebuffed him, tried to argue with him. Ultimately, they had him put to death. Jesus says, Father, the thing I am most thankful for is that you didn't send me to those people. (laughs) You sent me, you sent me to those who are like children. That reminds me of that moment when Jesus had gone triumphantly into Jerusalem. Remember that? People on both sides of the road singing his praises. But in Matthew chapter 21, verses 15 and 16, Jesus had left that scene and had entered into the temple and the children who remained, perhaps now separated from their parents, are lining up the edges there of the walls in the temple. And as Jesus walks in, the little children are crying out to him, Hosanna to the son of David! The scripture says that the chief priests and the scribes there were indignant. They were angry at what they were hearing. And they wanted to take that up with Jesus. 
So to Jesus, they asked, do you hear what they are saying? And Jesus said, have you not read that out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise? In Psalm 8 at verse 2, our English translation at that place has ordained strength. Always thought that was an interesting connection there. Perfected praise, ordained strength. What does God use to demonstrate his strength? God's strength needs nothing accompanying it except something like the praise of little children. The Apostle Paul, with the presentation of the gospel, hoping to open men's hearts and to tear down walls, says, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God stronger than men. Boy, God has made some incredible displays through history, hasn't he? Go to the very beginning. Creation week. Everything that you now know, everything that exists, from the smallest organism to the highest mountain, God brought into existence with the power of his words. And yet... That incredible display is accompanied by a picture of God walking in the cool of the day with his creation. When sin became ubiquitous in the world, God determined that he would destroy the world with a massive flood, a worldwide flood. And God did so. But with that incredible display of power also came the gentle hand as a father escorting his children, eight and all, into an ark, the preservation of their lives. It was another incredible display when God sent forth fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed two sinful cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. But then again, with that loving hand, escorted Lot and his family to safety. It was with a mighty hand that God brought down a nine and a half foot giant with one smooth river stone, but then raised that same shepherd boy who wielded the sling to the status of a king. And it was that same God who with incredible power and forethought before the foundation of the world 
crucified his own son on the cross of Calvary. But then as a result, lovingly for each one of us, washed our sins away from the product of the blood on that Calvary tree. When David faced his greatest difficulty, trial of life, instead of fleeing to the mountains, he fled to God. So I would encourage you to trust in him, for he is near. I ask you, where is your God? I'm telling you that God is always near. Listen to him beginning at verse 4. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. Upon the wicked, he'll rain coals, fire and brimstone and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. You think God isn't watching you? You feel like God's eyes are closed. Hence, when you look to God, it's like all I see are his eyelids. He is only testing you. God beholds the upright. That phrase that begins verse 4, what a significant statement. The Lord is in his holy temple. We sang a version of that sentiment in the song a few moments ago, remember? That one's actually taken from Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 20. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. God is in his most holy place. So everything that exists ought to just humble itself in the awe of Almighty God. Another time that I saw that idea expressed was in Isaiah 6. It was in the year that King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne high and lifted up. And his train, the train of his robe, filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his feet, face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the doors were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the whole house was filled with smoke. Then Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am undone. For I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah was a popular king. All of Israel, the faithful of Israel, 
We're counting on Isaiah to bring about a great revolution. We're going to turn back to God and he's going to accomplish it. But now Isaiah is gone and all hope is lost. Is that true? It is not true. Isaiah may have been the earthly king, but God Almighty was still on his throne. And when Isaiah saw it, he just fell on his face and he's like, what was I thinking? You know, who am I? I'm just a sinful man, Lord, help me. Oh, if we could only get a sight of that. Why can't we get a sight of that? You'll not be like Isaiah. You'll not have a vision of God in the night. You'll not have some tangible manifestation. But boy, if we could just appropriate that thought. For instance... It was in the year that my spouse died that I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, high and lifted up. It was in the year that I found out or one of my loved ones found out that they had a terminal illness. It was in that year that I saw the Lord sitting on his throne high and lifted up. It was in the year that my child died. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne high and lifted up. That year when I lost my job, that year when all seemed lost, I fell down on my face. I gave it all to the Lord. And what did I see? I saw the Lord sitting on his throne high and lifted up. You say, can I? I cannot see that. (laughs) Maybe we hold on to a text like, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, too strongly. We just simply say, Well, we walk by faith, not by sight. So I'm just, you know, I'm going to trust and I just can't see that. But isn't it supposed to become something much greater than than just a thought that passes in us? A thought that is revived when blessings happen. But a thought that is pressed down when trials come. Somehow or other, we forget that the Lord is still in his throne. Just help me. To see. You remember Abel? Good old Abel. That man who offered the righteous sacrifice before God. I would ask, where was God when his brother Cain became so angry that he took his own life? Well, actually God used that in order to create a much bigger and brighter picture for us. In fact, the scripture says that even though he is dead, these millennia of time, even though he's still dead, yet even today he still speaks 
of the righteousness that is by faith. Think about that. Though he was physically dead, still we talk about Abel even today. What about Enoch? Enoch three, lived for 365 years, one day for every day in the life of a year for us He walked with God. He was righteous in a generation of people who were very wicked. What about his righteous soul being vexed every single day? He never gave up. He always trusted the Lord. And instead of remaining in that peril, the Bible says that one day God took him for he was and then he was not. What about Abraham? The father of the faithful. Oh, he was snatched out of his homeland. God told him, hit the road. Where's he going? He doesn't even know where he's going. But Abraham trusted God. And he believed that God was preparing a place that's not made with hands. Abraham had all the promises of God vested in him and one other. And that being the Christ. Moses... And the nation of Israel, even a foreigner by the name of Rahab, always kept faith in Almighty God despite what they saw. And God delivered them. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, and David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. Therefore, seeing we also are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with patience the race that is shut before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. All of those faithful, those who by faith could see God on his throne. Many of them died before they ever saw the plan of God come to fruition. But all of that was done so that you and I could see it. To have absolute faith in God through Jesus Christ. It is that confidence that Jesus keyed on in John chapter 14. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. 
And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. For where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Thomas said, Lord, we can't see it. Jesus said, you see me, don't you? We do. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Can you see that? One of these days, the Lord is going to fulfill that promise, and he is going to return. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Can you see it? One day, it's all going to come together in the air with the Lord. And I've told you before, I, I want to be with the Lord. There's, there's, there is nothing greater, no greater focus in my life than to be eternally with the Lord. But there are a lot of other people I want to see too. And I'm not talking about the apostles or the prophets or the great men of old. I'm talking about my grandparents. I'm talking about my friends who've touched my life. I want to see them again too, don't you? Can you see that? You and I, we have to ask ourselves, where's God? I'm going to tell you where he is. He is near. And with him near, you will be more than a conqueror. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril of the sword? As it is written, we're killed all day long. We're accounted as sheep to slaughter, yet in all things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Are you in Christ today? If you are, then there's nothing but victory ahead. If you've obeyed the gospel, you had your sins washed away. Are you living faithfully? Are you trusting God for every step? You've gone through hard times. You've faced difficulties. But how did you come through it? Did you come through it beaten and burdened because you didn't lean on God? Isn't it time to trust him again? This morning gives you an opportunity to reassert that faith. Let's pray about the setbacks and let's get back on track in victory. Maybe you're not a child of God today. There is no victory except in Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Can't you see it? 
Obey the gospel today. Have your sins washed away. Rise up victorious in newness of life. If there's anybody today who needs to respond, now's your opportunity. Why don't you come while we stand together and sing? Without him I could do
to help prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper, we'll sing the first and second verse and then the refrain of the song One Day, number one, five, 353 in, in the books. <clears throat> one day when heaven was still with his part of our worship, we come to a, a part of remembrance. The first, century, <clears throat> the first century church took time on the first day of the week when they came to worship to remember the sacrifice that <clears throat> Jesus was willing to make. And as we come to this portion of, of our worship, let us remember the sacrifice of Jesus. <clears throat> Would you bow with me? Father, thank you for the bread that we partake of today that represents the broken body of Jesus upon the cross. We pray that as we partake of this, we'll examine our lives, that we will be worthy of the sacrifice of Jesus. It's through his name we pray. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we know that it's only through the shedding of innocent blood that we have remission from our sins. 
as we partake of this through the divine. We pray that we'll remember the shed blood of Jesus upon the cross. It's in his name we pray. Amen. give of our financial means, let us also remember that as the scriptures teach us in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, that this is something that should be done willingly, as Paul says, not grudgingly or of necessity. So let us view this as something that we get to do rather than something that we have to do. And when we do that, we will find our hearts, I believe, in a much better place. And so, as we prepare to do that, bow with me in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come and we thank you so much for all blessings that you give us, both spiritual and material. And as we think for a moment here on the material things, let us not lose sight of the fact that it is you that gave us these things and have entrusted these things to our care and as we give of our means, help us to do it willingly and may these funds be put to the best possible and the wisest use and all things be done into your honor and it is for this that we ask and in christ's name amen Morning. 
As uh, Brother Todd said this morning, we want to welcome all of y'all, especially the visitors here to church here at Boonville. Uh, if you have any questions or need to talk to anybody, find one of the elders or deacons. We'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. Um, we had 302 in service this morning. 302, that's a pretty good number. I have a card here to read. Um, it says, Joyce and I are very thankful for, all, for our Boonville Church family and all your support and encouragement after my recent surgery. I appreciate all the texts, phone calls, cards, visits, food, and most of all, the many prayers. Also, special thanks to Randy Moore and David Horn for checking on me constantly. Words cannot adequately express my love and, and appreciation for each of you for, feeling me, for lifting me during your, my difficult time. Love, with Christian love, Larry Morgan. Um, we have a list, a long list of things here going on at the church on the back of your bulletin. First, we want to uh, give sympathy to Allison Gross for the death of her brother-in-law, Greg Moon of Jasper, Alabama. And as Brother Ken announced, uh, we want to praise, uh, give praise to the Lord for uh, Austin, Benjamin Brumley, and the Brumley family. I've got one, and I know how hard it can be, so I'm, I'm praying for the four. Um, the Landmark Nursing Home devotionals today at 4 o'clock. There'll be an area-wide tonight at Strickland. Our bus is leaving the TAC at 4.15. Aaron Foster will be the speaker tonight, so I'm sure he'll like anybody who wants to come. It's area-wide tonight at Strickland. bus is leaving at 4.15. Uh, the FHU Associates will be meeting this coming Thursday night at 7 in the Annex. Uh, rush at Freed is September the 22nd through the 24th. There's, it costs $40, and all 7th through 12th graders are encouraged to attend. There's a sign-up sheet in the foyer, and I think Miss Melanie Sweeney's in charge of that. So if you have any questions, she will be happy to give you some answers. Uh, there's a men's shootout Saturday, the, September the 30th, at Cameron and Jacqueline Jumper's home. There's a sign-up sheet for that in the in the foyer as well, and. Uh, you can see Jody Long or Cameron for more information on that. There's a new uh, group that we're starting here at the church. It's called uh, Focus. It's Fellowship of Christian Adult Singles. They'll be having a game night on Saturday the 30th at 6 p.m. in the Annex. You can bring games and finger foods, and they'll have the football games on if anybody would want to watch that. You can see uh, Bonnie or Jordan for the, any information on that. That is for, from what I hear, all ages of singles. So... Marilyn Martin says she is ready to go. Um, anyway, I'm sorry, Marilyn. I didn't mean that. Uh, the FSU Corral will be with us on the October 1st, Sunday, October 1st, when the, with a meal afterwards, so remember that. Uh, there is two sign-up sheets in the foyer for the youth for EYC and CYC. Uh, anybody that's ever been to EYC knows that you got to get signed up first thing or to get in the hotel where the conference room conference is at or you'll be in a hotel different hotels throughout the t throughout Huntsville and that's not that's not so fun so uh, please 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 be signed up by August the 1st I'm October the 1st I'm sorry October 1st so we can get you uh, signed up for EYC October 1st there's a Mid-South Fall Camp on October 20th to the 22nd. That's independently a sign-up. Uh, if you have any questions on that, I think Miss Melanie knows some and Brandy Gann knows about it. 
So if you have any questions, ask them. Uh, we'll be collecting small, medium, and large stuffed animals and school supplies for the Panama missions if anybody has any of those to give away. Um, Operation Christmas Joy is back. Uh, if you uh, can help, help with this great effort, please place the items in the barrel for the foyer on by October, 8, October 8th and see Miss D. Worthy if you have any, any questions on that. After all those announcements, I don't know if we have any more, so I'm just going to say uh, a closing prayer and we'll be dismissed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for staying. Thank for all the many blessings you give us, Lord. We thank you for what everyone means to each other here at this church and how much we love you. We ask that you uh, just be with us and fill us with your spirit, Lord, that we can be a shining light in this dark, dark world. We thank you for everyone who's fighting for our freedoms, that we can have this prayer publicly, Lord, that, and how much it means that we can have the freedom to, to worship you. And most of all, Lord, we thank you so much for your son, down across for our sins, and be with us as we leave here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.